0: A new digital and physical trading card game live on Kickstarter right now. Manacrest will be releasing in quarter one of 2020 on Android, iOS, Mac, and Windows, and of course on paper. Check out the new Kickstarter at manacrest.com forward slash Kickstarter. Welcome to Call of Discovery, a celebration of Keyforge, its community, and the excitement of discovery. We are joined today by Blake. You might know him as Coach, Boulevard, Paperfy, or many, many different names. Welcome, Blake.
1: Hey, how's it going, Ed? It's
0: going well, thank you. It's going well. And today we are talking about not one, not two, but three-player Keyforge and Blake is the the pioneer of this new game variant and we are going to get all the inside scoop on what makes 3 player keyforge so good and why you should give it a go but first we do like to get to know our guests a little bit better by asking them a few questions so Blake how did you get into
1: keyforge in the first place so it was kind of something that couldn't be ignored i was at the time transitioning out of playing Magic the Gathering, which I have, I can, I feel like I've been playing it like my whole life. So I I started playing Magic back when it first came out, when I was like 12 or 13. And then during my high school years, I kind of put the cards down. And then I came back, I guess in post-secondary when my one of my good friends and I decided to take up a card game and we got into Magic. And then I played it for another probably almost decade. And then I kind of got disenfranchised with the way that the format was and everything. And I just found I wasn't enjoying the game. It -hmm. felt more like a routine rather than something that was looked forward to and enjoyed. Yeah. And so I started transitioning into Pokemon cards because, again, something I played also when I was younger, but not at a competitive level. It was more like I enjoyed Pokemon. And Pokemon has been kind of a part of my life, um, I guess, since... It's got to be like over twenty something years now. As a result, I've always stuck to it. So I decided to take up a card game like that, and I I really enjoyed it. Like I really immersed myself in that game at the start of 2019, and as a result, I was listening to podcasts and whatnot. And one of the podcasts I listened to was uh, the Wasi. Yeah, yeah, and a
0: fella everyone knows Othello the Wasi.
1: He Yes, he he is pretty much the legendary TCG content creator, I think. I think in some form or another we all have listened to to his content. So he does a, a very prominent thing called PC or PTCG Radio, which is his Pokemon podcast. Yeah. And every once in a while he would talk about Keyforge. And he just gushes when he talks about Keyforge. <laughs> and I couldn't ignore this, like the way he was talking about. It. I saw the game when I was at an LGS and it looked very intriguing. And I just kind of decided to ask the store about it. And then I went and bought a starter deck. I finally pulled the trigger and I bought the starter box for Call of the Archons. Now, keep in mind, this was not like when everyone else was getting into it. This was in March. So I think I bought my starter a week before the first Vault Tour in Seattle. And I kind of just opened it up and I just loved it. The fact that it was a Richard Garfield game and I read it. The reasoning behind why he created this game and the fact that you couldn't net deck which was my absolute pet peeve with all the other games i played yeah and that is what led me into keyforge awesome it's quite a journey there as
0: well from one game to another and i think your your story there is probably reflected by a number of people in finding keyforge through Wasi or mm-hmm. or ross absolutely So, Blake, if you could describe Keyforge in one word, what would that be?
1: I I feel this is so cheesy saying this because (laughs) because it's so much in line with your podcast. It's discovery. Yeah. That is what Keyforge is. It is. It is. How appropriate you ask that question. So on brand. This was not planted.
0: (laughs) I like it. It is all about discovery and specifically... What elements of discovery appeal most to you? Uh, You you actually wrote an article on this this week, did you
1: not? I did, yes. So the things I I love about discovery is, or this is the discovery of Keyforge, is that it's it's the discovery of what are the, the cards that exist. So when you open the deck, the surprise, because you get to have a look at 36 cards and it's guaranteed that you have never seen all those cards together before because every deck is unique. And then there's the discovery of three houses. Now, there's two forms of this discovery of the three houses, I think. The first one is that you have the combination of houses. Now, the combination of houses are, wow, I really like all three of these houses. Yeah. The other one is, oh my goodness, I got these two houses, but not this house again. (laughs) And then you can have further discovery from that Cough, Brobnar. Um, yeah. Then you can have further discovery of that where you discover that, oh my goodness, this actual house that I wasn't excited for has some really cool cards or really cool interactions with the other houses that I haven't seen before. This actually could be exciting. So the levels of discovery that exist just within that first initial opening of a deck is incredibly unique.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And the article, which we will link in the show notes as well, you spoke a little bit about when you open a sealed deck and the excitement of discovery that goes alongside discovering that sealed deck and maybe some card combos and interactions that you've never really thought about before, you've never really come across before. And then the the inevitable rummage through your own decks to see, have I got anything that makes use of this combination or something similar? And does it better? Better.
1: Yes, yes, 100%. Um, it's it's very interesting. Sealed is one of the most misleading aspects of the game because you're playing a deck in a vacuum. Yeah. So the quality of the deck is not truly on stage. And so sometimes you think a deck is way better than it is. And then when you start playing it against other things, it turns out that it falls a little short because... Yeah. One house can be having, I guess, dead cards is the way because I think we've all been there where you have a game that goes really well, the RNG gods are smiling on you and you're drawing it perfectly. But then you get that one game where that one house starts coming at the end game. And it actually prevents you from being able to win because you need to draw more cards, but you can't call that house because in doing so, you know, you instantly lose. But if you don't, you also don't get cards that could help you win. So there's this kind of awkward transition and you start realizing, wow, this is actually kind of a dead house late game. And it's, again, the discovery. It's just another form of discovery, but not as, um, not as pleasing, but definitely enlightening.
0: Yeah, I can certainly relate to that, having been super excited to try some sealed decks in the past in an Archon format and ending up being inevitably disappointed when uh, when they don't Mm -hmm. maybe do quite as well as I'd hoped. And on that theme of disappointment, I I was in Berlin last weekend for a Keyforge Prime. Uh, lovely venue really good venue really well run nice space great community out there as well the community in in berlin seems to reflect what we see with the community right across the world uh, key forge attracting the right kinds of people although i suppose we would say that <laughs> we joked beforehand it was a uh, three deck sealed so gain three decks pick one play it for the day and we were joking, oh, what if one of us opens three Brobnar decks? And I'm not that down on Brobnar. I played them in a sealed event a few weeks ago and and did pretty well with them. But that was a deck with, I think, three Berserker Slams, which is the one that does some serious creature damage, and a couple of Aya Staffs, which can... uh, can be pretty pesky to some of those Star Alliance creatures that want to reap or some of those Logos creatures that just want to reap because you make them fight. Uh, So it was pretty pretty decent Brobnar lineup as they go, and it did pretty well. And we were joking. We were like, what if one of us opens up three Brobnar decks? And we were thinking, oh, that's not going to happen. That's never going to happen. What are the odds are negligible? So I open up the decks and... (laughs) <laughs> three brovnarls staring right at me and i thought it's gonna be all right they're not gonna be that bad They they can't be that bad can they double narps and everyone <laughs> i mean there might as well have been uh it was it made for a fun day i i decided if i get one win i'm gonna be really really happy they're that bad yeah it was interesting we'll put it that way but okay. still a super super fun event and it just shows with keyforge that you can travel somewhere you can do really badly in an event but you can still have fun and i think that's that's a kind of hallmark of what makes keyforge a great game i would agree 100 percent. on the theme of discovery blake what is the most bizarre deck in your
1: collection Ah, uh, well that's a tough one to answer ed um I did say I put you on the spot. Yeah, the the reason, <laughs> the, the bizarre aspect of it is because it's the way I choose to interpret the word bizarre. Okay. So I'm going to give two, because I'm going to do one that's bizarre in the sense that the stats on decks of Keyforge and, and what it entails is very bizarre. And the yeah. other one is bizarre because the way it interacts is really cool in a bizarre way. Awesome. So the first one is a Call the Archons deck, and I actually just opened it. This week I opened it on Monday, so just a few days ago. And as part of my Advent calendar key forge opening that I've been doing on my Instagram, such a great idea! Can I throw this out there for anyone that's not following
0: Blake on Instagram at the moment? Go ahead and do so. Are you at Boulevard
1: Paper Fight? Yes, everything I do is is Boulevard Paper Fight.
0: Yeah, and. It's just such a fab idea. You're going through these five-minute deck openings, uh, Christmas-themed, of course, so a bit of festive cheer, but also with some great analysis of of these decks and first glances that hopefully
1: I think most of the community will feel is super valuable. Thank you. I appreciate you saying that. And I I have to say that this... Keyforge Advent Calendar wasn't my idea. My my friend Matt's locally, he actually created one. You may have seen it on Reddit. It it got quite a bit of love, where it was like it basically Keyforge decks arranged in the shape of a Christmas tree, and he put Forging Friendships on the top. It is like so tops it's it's the best thing and so i had to create my own version yeah. of that which was just this box that slots out uh, a deck each day and it alternates between worlds collide and call of the archons it's awesome and uh it's fantastic opening worlds collide because this is the way that i train to be better at sealed is doing this sort of thing and that's why i enjoy doing this so last uh this past week i opened this really cool bizarre deck in my advent calendar the deck's name itself is um very, very neat. It's called She Who Ostensibly Changed Flattery. Wow. So it's such a <laughs> cool name. And it is a Brobnar Logos and Untamed deck. Okay. And I'm not going to go into the the details of the whole deck because there's only one house that needs to be talked about. Yeah. And it's Untamed. If you saw it on my Instagram, I kind of uh, previewed what was so neat about this. And this deck basically has two mavericks in untamed one being terms of redress which is the card that allows you a friendly creature to capture to ember it's originally a sanctum card and you get an ember pip and then the card that just like tickled me pink and i felt like it was a christmas present was having an untamed urchin which was just phenomenal and then to top it off this untamed house had also a ritual of balance for a little bit more ember control yeah it had two hunting witches nice a choda and two and a full moon
0: oh wow any nature's cool
1: no unfortunately not this is the deck is like it's super fun ah that would be super sweet with the urchin it's okay so the deck has 23 creatures as well so it gets on board goodness and how it works is i calculated that between the the Full Moon, the Double Hunting Witch, the choda, the Terms of Address, and the Urchin. In one turn, if I was having to have like a Magic Christmas Land turn, turn, and there is archiving so I could, I can generate a key plus three extra Ember after Choda's played and have taken three Ember from my opponent through a steal and capturing two. <laughs> it is the most insane thing. So the thing that's bizarre about this deck is it has only five printed Ember, But a 21 expected Ember on decks of Keyforge, which is like unheard of because the untamed and then the Brobnar has a bunch of like um, blood money and and things that basically allow me to fight out a house, even though it doesn't have a lot of creatures in Brobnar. So it's it's a really bizarre deck. And I absolutely love it's I think my favorite deck to play in a less competitive format.
0: This is so awesome. So will you be taking it to a local chain bound sometime soon?
1: I think I will once I get some more reps. And um, I'll I'll put a link, I'll give you a link to that one because it, it's like worth looking at. It's a really cool deck. It just, it's one of those decks though that it just falls short of being really good, but it's a really unique and fun deck. So that was awesome. I was so excited when I when I turned that because I, I the way I do this, I don't look at the Archon card. I literally just turn the cards one by one. And, and so it actually is a great method because then when something really cool comes, it really gives me that shock and surprise that I get to share as I'm recording
0: epic epic we'll put it in the show notes so blake where did your persona boulevard paper fight come from
1: so at the time that i created it i was still playing magic i was i i play i still play magic commander with a friend because that's what one of the activities we like to do together so i've saved the a couple of decks just for that and i was still attending releases um pre-release events for magic and then i was playing pokemon so at the time I was very entrenched in multiple card games before I fully converted to be a Keyforge evangelist. Absolutely. And I kind of wanted a name that represented the essence of playing card games as which you're basically having fights and battles with paper essentially and cardboard. So it's like you're having a paper fight and the the name actually originates from this this um if you're anyone in the magic community will know this really well, they're called loading ready run. And they're actually like one of the biggest podcast and YouTube channels in the magic community.
0: Okay. And sure.
1: they're actually in, they're in Victoria. They're literally in the same province. They're Canadian. And so I, they have this thing called Friday night paper fight and that's where they, they do. They've actually done Keyforge on there, I think as well. So, the, it was like that that whole Friday night paper fight, sort of the way that had that ring to it, like really, really spoke to me. And so I decided to do that. And Boulevard is kind of a brand that I've always had through different things I do. Like I have a Lego account called Boulevard Bricks, where I deconstruct Lego minifigures and arrange them in an aesthetic way and take photographs of them, which I, I have a pretty decent following on. I have like 10,600 followers on that one. That's super cool. And that's Boulevard Bricks. And then I when I was a music producer, and in that past life, I went by Boulevard Blake as my pseudonym for that. So I've kind of just kept this Boulevard brand for things that I do. So that's kind of how it all came together. And we'll
0: we'll let the the M word, the magic word slide here in talking about this, because (laughs) yeah, it's a it's an it's a fascinating origin story. Every great pseudonym has a an interesting story. And I believe you were also at one point a rapper.
1: Yes, I was. <laughs> that was in my, my previous life when I was uh, an audio engineer. Um, I, I stopped like shortly after high school and just be, went into the music production side of things. Then um, a few really cool projects with um, some notable people. I got to chart in Billboard magazine with a project I did and get on the iTunes hip hop charts That's amazing. with The project I did. So I've, I've had some, some fun times doing that. But uh, Unfortunately, you're at the mercy of other people when you're a producer and engineer. Yeah, so yeah. it became a little frustrating.
0: You're a man of many talents, Blake. Oh, thank you. <laughs> so let's dive back into Keyforge then. And yes, we have had two very, very exciting new houses with the release of Worlds Collide. but. Like if you could pick a house, any house, any idea, whether it be for a theme or a mechanic to add to Keyforge, what would it look like?
1: So something that doesn't exist, you mean? Yeah. You have free reign. You can choose anything. So I just want to speak on what Brad, the head developer of Keyforge, talked about, because when he developed Dinos... And the saurian house with the Greek and Roman theme with the dinos, uh that is actually a theme that speaks a lot to me like I'm a very big fan of Greek and Roman mythology and Jurassic Park. I mean I grew up in that era where I was uh, pretending to be a dinosaur on the playground in elementary school like that <laughs> that was like that is like in my heart, so the fact yeah. that he took two things i'm a big fan of and put them into one was was just great for me, and when I heard him discuss his ideology behind why he created it. I It made me love the Saurians even more, even though they're not my favorite house. But I think I would like to see a kind of Japanese theme samurai and ninja and that whole sort of ideology to come into Keyforge. Yeah, Because I feel like the samurai um, ideology would complement the Saurians in a different way. And having just sort of like, maybe some other sort of... Um, trope of creature, like, it, and not like a dinosaur, but I'm not I don't know what that would be that far. But something to like complement those two things like dinosaurs and the hubris, and then having the ninjas, and maybe it's the honor that goes yeah, with, yeah. with being a, a, uh, sorry, a samurai and not a ninja. Um, and just, I could see the theme being very interesting. And one of the things I think that would be cool is having, I don't see stealing being there, but I see like, maybe some sort of like, avenging, yeah sort of thing like like when something happens against you they have a power that responds yeah and it could happen in so many different ways like maybe there's there's one that triggers from if a a ember was captured from you last turn x thing happens if an ember was stolen from you last turn x thing happened if a creature was destroyed and each and it and it has the same title but the reaction to it is different i think that would be a really neat thing to go with a whole um samurai sort of theme
0: definitely and also complementary to shadows from another i think angle of being yes elusive creatures quite possibly but oh, also sure, ones a that that have a, a much stronger moral compass they don't steal uh as you say they're all about honor and they could even punish exalting creatures as well because they're not keen on on living the living life to the full and exalting
1: oneself i could even see something cool like you get to steal an ember but it says like reap steal, and ember if you do you may steal an ember if you do sacrifice this creature because it's a thing yes. of honor they've stolen it's against the honor so now they have to sacrifice themselves like commit seppuku basically i could see that being such a cool theme within key forge and just i don't know the creatures that would kind of go along with it but it's it's almost like they would be a sanctum house without the armor that's how i see it
0: yeah yeah quite possibly so Although would they have amber on themselves? I, I'm not sure because if that looks like exulting, then they're probably much more selfless. They
1: no, I don't. Yeah, I don't think you would see the because the hubris is not a thing that exists in that culture. So I think yes. it would maybe be almost there. Wouldn't you? Wouldn't have captured Amber, but you would have maybe like it's. it's I th- see it responding like it's respond effects, and there could it could also be like Star Alliance where there's play, fight, reap effects, and then they have a lot of equipment that are like maybe swords or things like that or armor like different types of armor that boost them i think that'd be really cool like they don't Powerful have shields upgrades. but you can yeah you can boost them with upgrades i could see it being a really cool house and yeah just talking about this i want to like i feel like we should maybe have a conversation and plan this house and send it to brad right after we get off air <laughs> uh,
0: totally totally i think this is a great idea along with a few of the other houses that uh, that we've all been cooking up yes Definitely. And and on that note, people seem to be split on this one a little bit over how many new houses do we want to be seeing in the game? I will play, lay my cards on the table and say that I'm very much in the camp that says it would be great if with every set we saw at least one new house to keep things fresh, to keep things new, but also to then enjoy Deepening the law of the current houses that we we have, and seeing different facets of them, and different different angles of the same thing, and building
1: those deeper. I agree. I'm I'm with that too. as I want to see it regularly happening. Um, I I'm not. I'm kind of indifferent if it's every single set or maybe once a year we see a couple. Like I I'm I'm very indifferent that way, but as long as we see a steady progression of new houses being introduced within the releases, I think that would be fantastic.
0: Sure, sure. We completely agreed and super excited. We are probably only a month and a half away from from our next set announcement. So, uh yes, and, and, and I, spoilers. <laughs> and spoilers. And I feel like we've barely got uh, got started on the current set there's so much to discover in worlds collide yes. the the mind boggles at the the amount of things it feels like call the archons and age of ascension there was a lot of stuff going on but worlds collide really does push those possibilities much much further i agree blake if you had to pick one creature of the crucible which creature of the crucible do you think would make the best Father Christmas?
1: Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. You you know you know who I would I would say for for more than one reason would be yeah. Chota choda Yes. He looks like Father <laughs> Christmas and he's always when he comes down on the board it's always a surprise and giving you a present. It is. He do,
0: he is. He always gives you a gift and yes. your opponent a great big sack of coal. So Yeah,
1: unless unless you've been uh you haven't been uh good and then you're on the naughty list in which case he he takes a number from you and comes into yeah. play.
0: Yeah, he does. I think that's perfect. And to be honest, whenever I look at Chota Hazri, I think, oh, it's Father Christmas. Um, yeah, agreed. And, and I'm, I'm honestly not sure how well that idea fits in Untamed. But, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> but it's part of the flavor of Call cool of the Archons, and, and we love it for it. So let's dive into our main discussion topic. And we are going to be talking about three-player Keyforge. So going back to where this came from, Blake, you published an article on three-player Keyforge, and that will be in the show notes for everyone listening. And it, it was published on Archon's Corner uh, a few months ago. What drove you to to publish an article or indeed to play three-player Keyforge in the first place?
1: So from what I understand, um, I'm not the originator of this idea. Okay, I just heard about it. Um, if anyone who's... On YouTube and listening to or uh, digesting KeyForge content knows that Jean Claude does fantastic work on there. Um, I someone t- told me that he has the original rules and my rules are very similar to his. Sure. I did not have any knowledge. It just worked out that I think the way this is played uh, makes the most sense. And talking to people, they must have heard it because my my way of playing is kind of a culmination of different pieces of information being thrown at me and then kind of channeled into this end form. So I cannot take full credit for creating the idea of the way it's played and everything. It's more, I just started playing it because of we have a casual night here in Vancouver and it worked out that you'd have an odd number some nights. Yeah. And there's nothing worse in a casual environment than there's one person just not playing. Because in a tournament, you know, you're getting the buy. It's, there's there's more of a, a circumstance to it that makes sense. But when you're playing it in a casual format, it sucks if you're that one person waiting for people to finish a game. So Completely. the three-player Keyforge was born out of necessity to allow everyone who attended the casual night to be included. So that's how kind of how it originated. And the rules just kind of I can't really speak on them in the sense of the evolution, because it kind of like we just played. And then if something didn't make sense, we just adjusted and tried something new. And part of it was um, playing around with maybe how much a key cost to be forged. That was one thing. We tried doing more than three players and it didn't work. When you start getting above that, the games become super long and they drag out and the fun is gone. Interesting. So,
0: okay. I haven't tried it with four or more. Well.
1: No, three three is the sweet spot. And then how it works is you basically – there's a few things you can do. If, it depends on the the game you want to play. You can use forging three keys. But we found forging two puts a little bit more – more interesting plays because there's there's only two keys to be forged So once that first key's forged, it really kind of changes the way the game is played yeah. and puts the pressure on everyone. But the the essence of the game is three players sit down. The most fun format I find to play is one person has a Call of the Archons, one person has Age of Ascension, and one person has Worlds Collide. <laughs> so you have all three meta, okay, uh, all three sets against one another. It's a really fun way to play it. Yeah, um, you want to be very clear that you you want to choose decks that do not have high steel is kind of a, a good thing. So choose some of your decks that don't see as much love because they're not that competitive, but you find some fun things in them. Sure. And you just kind of sit down and try and find an even set of decks. So no one deck is more powerful or supremely powerful than the others because it makes more for an enjoyable game. This is a true game of community and having fun with friends. And you just start playing a game of Keyforge as per usual. Some main things that change is that the biggest one is the capture mechanic. Because when you... The best way to play it is each person has kind of a different set of ember. And what you do is when you capture, the opponent or the player who is playing the capture ability captures it on their creature. But... When that creature is destroyed, whichever player destroys that creature gets that amber, not the original yes, owner. That's yeah. how we play it.
0: And it adds, so much. it adds so much to the game, just that simple change, because you realize how much capture is really an integral feature. And you definitely can't rest upon getting that amber back at some point. You have to almost fight the, uh, the other opponent, the third player in the game, to make sure that that amber goes back to you
1: yes it's uh it's it's one of the most fascinating things and we kind of also started doing a a variation where things that have multiple so it says like steal three that doesn't necessarily mean from the same player like you can steal in a combination from the other two players we found that's an interesting way of of, uh of playing it okay and does that translate
0: for damage dealt as well
1: Not unless it's it's like cooperative hunting. But like for example, cooperative hunting is a perfect one where it's it's you deal damage based on the number of creatures, you can spread that out between both your opponents. Sure, sure. And then it also created this this a multiplayer game created certain cards have a much stronger effect. And the the most like the epitome of this is doorstep to heaven, because it says each player loses. So things that say each suddenly become much more powerful in a multiplayer game, which is really fun. So th- those are kind of the main changes within the game. But the fun part of playing three-player Keyforge is the politics that go with it. Yes,
0: yes. The barter, the negotiation. Yes. Absolutely. It's a huge part of three-player Keyforge and pretty much not not existent in, in the two-player Keyforge. I host a casual thing in a pub every month and we had three players for, for, for one month, which is A few less than we normally get but we didn't want to you know have one person watching on as two people played and and i'd I'd come across your article but i hadn't read it yet and i thought well let's just give it a go and see what works and we had an absolute blast we played to three keys we played a few games and we we absolutely loved it we didn't do the thing about splitting up amber when you were stealing it. So we said you have to target one person. But of course, the effects that say this impacts all things like doorstep to heaven, we we followed through and and those cards were much more powerful. But the biggest difference to us, I think, was that that sheer barter of the game. It was the whole hey, no, 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 no. You don't want to pick on me. You want to pick on him because he's the one with all the threats. Look, he's got this. You don't want to worry about me. I haven't got anything. Little old me, it's fine. And this was constant. It was a lot of back and forth and... It made it so, so, so fun. And ultimately, I think it de-weaponized some of the more competitive aspects of the game, I think, by making it a much more chilled, relaxed environment where it's not just you against one other person. It's the three of you working together, trying to kind of, trying to get the edge.
1: It's it's a great format. See, I feel the that format in its truest form being played you basically are ending the game where everyone is about to be able to forge a key. And then one player just happens to have, or you've run out of answers and that one player gets to get it. If, if one person runs away with the game, then something wasn't done right, because you should be talking to your, your neighbor and and being like, Hey, um, are you able to take him off check this turn? Because I actually don't have anything that can do it. Can you, uh, yeah, I got it covered. Don't worry. It's fine. I got it covered. Like, you start having that conversation and yep. there's like two sides to it because you can play, it's like the politicking and then you have also the the deception because you could be like, I don't have an answer yeah. when you do and you're saving it and it's going back and forth with this whole trying to play together and against each other at the same time. Yep. Um, if, if you want to have a really, really shenanigans game is you start getting things like an anguish and grump buggies out and you start having where multiple people have these so that this person makes your keys cost and it starts becoming so chaotic and it's hilarious to play because each player is affecting the other two players in a different way. So everyone's keys are costing these ridiculous amounts that you have to kind of keep track of it's, it's honestly one of those things where you want to do once and then you're probably not going to do it again. But it's definitely <laughs> worth experiencing because it's
0: hilarious. I'll try it at some point. Heart of the forest on every side. See what happens. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> that
1: That would be ridiculous. Even just one. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, I yeah, I, I I'm not sure if I want to try that version of it yeah. or that variant, but but it really is all the fun of some of those social deduction games, you know, things like Secret Hitler, but all the smart of Keyforge at the same time, and the, the real the real point for me where I realised actually what a cool game variant this was. Someone asked me. Would you play it when you had access to a load of other three player games, three or four player games? You know, would you play, would you consider playing three player Keyforge instead for a game night? Or is it just when maybe there's three people or an odd number at a night? And I said, actually, it's so much fun.
1: Yes, I would consider playing it, and I probably would play it. I would too. It's it's honestly, I don't know. The, the problem is creating a tournament structure to make yeah, it work in yeah. like, that sort of sense. Like what do you do with, like do you have it so that, I guess you would kind of need three games going on and you'd have to actually rank the winner as like the person who won and then you have a tie break to see the other two. Like you'd go through tie break rules. And so the winners of all three games play in another match. And then the people who all finish second play in another match. And then the people finish third play another match and you do it that way but I don't know how the structure would continue to work in that way because I d- like as the rounds continue I, d- I could see only like two rounds almost like you have s- sort of I, d- I really don't know how that would work but that yeah. would be something that would be yeah. fun to explore.
0: It would be fun to explore and in Arkham which is uh, an LCG created by Fancy Fly Games they have it's a co-op game and and up to four players work together on on something they have a A few overarching scenarios that players face, which in which your play group can be beneficially or adversely impacted by the outcomes of another player group, I wonder whether there's prospect for three player keyforge to to incorporate some of those things in in that something gets played down somewhere and it has an impact in in a different game happening across the room somewhere else i think that would be fascinating and all the that kind of be. wacky madness discovery fun that we expect and enjoy from keyforge
1: it would be cool if there was a set that was created that was designed for three player keyforge like kind of how to speak of magic which i know is is a bit of <gasps> taboo here don't worry we'll blow it out <laughs> but um, there's there's a like commander they in that format they actually started creating yeah cards and sets that were released as just for that format to be played in i could see keyforge having these multiplayer formats and maybe a set coming out that happens to be catered to that and it's only valid in that format which would be i think very interesting and unique but I, I imagine that being down the road a few yeah. years before we get yeah. to that point.
0: And, and I think as KeyForge grows, as it, as it is, and as it, I hope it will continue to do so, I think Fantasy Flight Games is really well-placed to explore some of those fascinating and interesting ideas as an organization that has so many well-thought-out game systems uh, currently being created. They must have a real wealth of ideas to, to draw from. Oh, 100%, without a doubt yeah so expect expect the exciting things another thing i wanted to to draw upon with three-player is, who do you see three-player as being for bake do you see it as being for the most competitive players or the most casual or really just for anyone
1: i feel like anyone is correct but i could see people who are really competitive not enjoying it as much yeah or actually ruining the essence of what three player is. (laughs) so i think it's it's best suited as a casual way of exploring decks that don't get as much love that's that's really the essence of the game to me is you're like like we all have these decks you know that you're like oh i absolutely love the way this house plays but unfortunately the other two houses one's really bad and the other one just doesn't quite cut the mustard but i really enjoy getting to play this one that's that's the type of deck that is quintessential to be a part of the three player format and then you have a couple cards that are that are very unique to the three player way of doing things that have the the each keyword yes so yes that's one thing that i found is i i absolutely love to just play some decks that i've never tried before another fun thing is to do it in sealed literally just all three of you open a new deck for the first time and just give it a whirl that's also a fun way of doing it
0: yeah particularly as you said with one from each set that would be absolutely bonkers way to play and super super fun it's great so i've actually tried out three player keyforge with a slightly different audience i had a couple of friends over for a game night uh, a few weeks ago and um, these guys haven't touched any card games before they they like board games they really enjoy board games but they hadn't really they hadn't played keyforge they've never Played Magic, Pokemon, any of the others. So they're they're not entirely familiar with this. But if if anyone that enjoys board games is probably likely to at least have a have fun pe- playing Keyforge just the once. And, and they were really keen to try it. Because I said, Ed, you've been doing this, you know, podcast milark for this game. What, what what's it all about? And I said, Well, I'm afraid it's a two-player game. And I thought, hang on, we can do three-player Keyforge. But neither of them know the rules. So how is this gonna work? To cut a long story short, it worked super well. And I think it's a great way of teaching new players and helping them have fun with it. Principally, actually, the fact that it's not just you v. them, I think it can be a bit of an odd dynamic, really. I'm not a massively competitive player, and particularly not when I'm teaching new players. I I like to give a, a, a new player a deck with as many answers as as it can possibly have. And normally myself with a deck with a few less answers, um, but nonetheless threats that they need to identify and take off the board. So I thought, how is this going to work? But it worked really well because it took away that kind of, I'm teaching you, but I'm also playing against you as the only other competitor in this game aspect to it.
1: Did you play it where it was both of them against you?
0: No, we played it where it was... All all on each other and I, I gave the two of them a couple of my best decks. They were really steel heavy but they had a lot of answers for each other and we all had an absolute blast. It was a great time and it was a really social experience. My feeling is that it actually took the pressure off them learning it um, that they were able to kind of discover things together as each other as they saw what each other played. The fact that the games go a bit longer meant that they definitely got through their their whole decks, but they didn't seem to mind that. Uh, we finished the game, and I said, "Well, maybe maybe let's play something else." And they were like, "No, we're playing more three player KeyForge." Oh, that's and, awesome! And so that's always a good sign, I think. Um, Agreed. We ended up playing until till the early hours of the morning. So. So three-player Keyforge, potentially one for for teaching new players if you've got a couple of people that are familiar with board games, maybe like some of those more social deduction games, but have never tried anything like Keyforge, Magic, and, and the like.
1: I would agree with your sentiment about giving some steel, I think, when you're giving a new player a deck that's that they're basically playing for the first time, is Ember Control should be one of the greatest things you give them, because Definitely. them not being able to take you off of check and understanding that concept i think is very important i think card draw decks that can draw really well and then decks that can steal as well is is great like a triple mother deck with shadows is like the perfect deck for a new player
0: yeah a- absolutely i do tend to try and avoid archive with brand new players because it's just an yep. additional thing to talk about with you've got the the deck the discard pile and then you introduce a third component as well um but these two, they got on really well with it. And I think one of them is is joining me for a, a prime championship next year. So, so super, super pleased we've got more converts
1: for the game. Always a good thing. Always got to be recruiting.
0: So looking forward to hearing the experiences that all of you have trying out three-player Keyforge after... After our interesting discussion, will you be teaching new players? Will you be playing some of your most competitive games using it? Will you be tackling some of those tricky cards, things like Heart of the Forest, things like Stone over three-player Keyforge? Tell us all about it. And in the meantime, we will, of course, be playing more three-player Keyforge too.
1: And yes, and feel free to reach out to me on Twitter or Instagram, whichever is your preferred social media platform. You can send me a direct message or just send a general comment if you have any questions or uh, have any hiccups in trying this out. I'm always accessible and always willing to have conversations about the game of Keyforge. So do not hesitate. Awesome. Awesome. And where can people find you, Blake? Just at Boulevard Paper Fight, uh, at BLVD Paper Fight. On Instagram and Twitter, that's the the best way to uh, reach out to me on whichever platform you prefer.
0: And they can also find you on the terrific "Help from Future Self" podcast, which is you and some of your KeyForge buddies from the Vancouver area. Am I right? Yes. Yes, that's correct. So thanks so much to Blake for coming on today's episode. Uh, It's been a lot of fun. So let us know if you enjoyed today's episode and if you'd like to see us playing some three-player Keyforge over call of Discovery. Please subscribe on your regular podcast app. You can find us on the Facebook, you can find us on the Twitter, you can find us on Instagram, and you can email us any questions you like at discoverkeyforge at gmail.com. But most importantly, if you think a friend would enjoy this podcast, please help them to discover it. Thank you.